Welcome to episode 30 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men animated series weekly recap podcast. Woo! <laughs> episode 30. We actually got to 30. Holy almost, sh- almost halfway. <laughs> we're, we're approaching. Yeah, we're approaching. I'm Rod. I'm very good at speaking. <laughs> and I'm JC. I'm also great at speaking. I don't know how we made it to 30 episodes and you haven't killed me yet. Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series. We are going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series, in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, which is coming out to Disney Plus in 2023. And for those of you who are wondering how we determine the order of our episodes, we utilize the listed order in Previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series by the showrunner Eric Leewald. And that is also a list that is available in reference on Wikipedia, which I trust Wikipedia on this one way more than I trust IMDb. Also, interestingly enough, we found there's a fun tidbit about the show of the location and they refer to the savage land as an island and i'm pretty sure somebody thinks antarctica is just an island at that point when it's that big it's no longer an island i'm trying to think of 90s education like how that (laughs) pluto is a planet pluto isn't a planet antarctica is an island yeah yes and you'll want to reference that script order a lot basically for the rest of the series yeah because it's already come into play the last few episodes but it gets really confusing it's already been confusing but the good part is we literally put the title of the episode in our episode title so that will make it easier for you to find some quick reminders we're a recap show about a series that came out 28 years ago is that correct 28 yeah, yeah, I actually, okay. <laughs> I, I did the math on this okay. one. Yeah, previous episodes, some of them were happening out of script order yeah. by like two years. Some were aired during season five instead of season three. This one, actually 28 years. It's like... Actually in season three. I think it's like a month off of being 28 years exactly. Okay. So, awesome. we're, so yeah, nailed it. <laughs> awesome. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil it for you, pause the podcast, watch the episodes and come back. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. And we're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. But you decide you want to cater to that. What are is our demographic? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever we are, it is up. DMs are open. Elder, elder millennials. <laughs> don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on whatever your favorite podcast service is. Finally, we record these episodes in batches. We are way ahead of whatever is happening in real time. So there is not news for us to react to. If there is that's something epically important, I will have Rod <laughs> remotely record stuff and add it in later. But yeah, we're... I mean, there was the little action figure announcement. Right. There's the action figure announcement of Mystique. <laughs> that dates us of being two months ahead of recording schedule rod thank you for pulling the curtain back now onto the show today we're going to be talking about season three episodes 12 and 13 titled savage land savage heart nope wait oh strange heart now no 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 you keep that in because that's finish your episode intro and then we will go right into one of the fun facts savage land strange heart part one and two they aired on september 10th and 17th 1994 and currently sit at a 7.1 and 7.2 star rating on IMDb, respectively. So that is actually one of the bits of trivia about these episodes. The original name was Savage Land, Savage Heart oh, on the DVD. That's what I'll say it was. Yeah. Even though I haven't looked at the DVDs in like 10 years. <laughs> you you saw the physical DVDs that I brought back from Connecticut. There you go. Yeah. Well, I used to own the set, but it's been a long time. Since and I you had. know you were studying every episode right. name. <laughs> anyway, so... John pointed out something interesting about this, which I wasn't sure was if I just missaw it. But the very first thing we see is a satellite. I thought that was a mistake, but it might not be. Yeah, there's this little green spaceship that is just seen for like a half a second that looks like footage of a satellite being released from a larger ship. Yeah. And then I've already started watching for our next set of recording, which is the Dark Phoenix saga. And that clip also starts out one of the other episodes, too. So interesting. There's a couple of things like that that happen in this. We're like, okay, that's going to be something. Or it was an error and we're we're giving too much credence to it. What's weird is it didn't seem like a glitch. It just seemed like something, you know, that was just, it it, like transitioned well, like technically. I don't know. It's there for such a short, quick flash. It's only a second and a half long. So I feel like even in the other episode where it airs, and this may be just a Disney Plus issue because I haven't put the DVDs in to double check to see if this is a yeah. reoccurring thing, but it just is like so, so fast. And it's like, well, was that intentional or not? Yeah. I mean, I guess the weird part of my brain noticed a few weird things with the traditional animation in this. Like there's a part in this episode where like the Blackbird's landing. Yeah. And you can see, you can track a piece of dust elsewhere on the cell. 
like on the far corner that's also landing at the same rate. <laughs> we should go to one of those booths at Comic-Con, and I by we, I mean me, yeah. and see if I can find said cell. Because there are oh, all those funny. booths that sell the original animation oh, nice. cells from, from the shows. Yeah, maybe I'll pick one up this year at Comic-Con. I'm out of wall space. I don't know where the hell I'm going to put it, right. but... We'll figure it out. <laughs> On the floors, the ceilings. Yeah, I, I start just plastering my ceiling <laughs> yeah. with, with everything. So anyway, besides the satellite, it opens up with a battle in the Savage Lands between the Fall People and Sauron's army, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the people who are still kind of like in, still enslaved by Sauron, essentially. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a struggle, but overall the Fall People are winning. There's a funny moment, though, where, like, the fall people are using, like, catapults with rocks on fire. Yep. So Sauron's team's counter is literally just baskets of water they drop out of the sky. <laughs> right, which I appreciated the idea of, like, well, we have to put out the fire. It's still a heavy rock that can do damage from yeah. the catapult, right? <laughs> so in the fight, Sauron... And you didn't call them our favorite name. Oh, the Skyriders. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, combined. Rod gave me a look like I was saying something offensive. <laughs> he's like, he's, like, there was a moment of fear in his eye when I said that. Like, hey, wait, what? we call them now apple polishers <laughs> that's still i think that's still my favorite that doesn't sound like it's overly offensive it's a really great combination of words so in the fight sauron's kind of like weakened so he goes inside the temple he's confronted by a kazar in there well not the temple it is, it is the the base of operations that mr sinister had previously yeah, set like, up it's like his rebuilt yeah fortress i guess yeah let's right. go with fortress because it has yeah. a giant moat around it right rod <laughs> dinosaur river I don't know. rod still doesn't Sorry. believe me that that was a a, a lake and not a moat yeah. but anyway so he's inside and he's confronted by kazar they barely get to start fighting when kazar is interrupted by a woman who we find out very quickly is named zaladane yeah she shoots him from behind we've also seen this in the show before it's like people getting shot from behind like xavier got shot from behind and like the lalandra black yeah. tom cassidy incident and such so we're like oh who's this and I had forgotten a lot about this episode. Yeah. So because it was still Savage Land, I was like, oh, is it Sinister back? And then, of yeah. course, we get the, the quick reveal of Zaladane, who I have zero experience with this character from the comic book side of stuff. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it. I don't even remember watching her in the show. I remember ep elements of this ep these episodes, but I don't remember her. So I'm assuming she doesn't really come up again. Her aesthetic is very much like a lady who really likes chicken outfits. <laughs> I can see that. Like they're they're She's like bird person, people from Rick and Morty. Yes. That's a very good descriptor. <laughs> or the is it the sorceress from Masters of the Universe? Tila? No, the, I think it's, it's Oh, Tila's mom. Is that Tila's mom? The sorceress, the one that literally dresses up as a bird. Spoiler for for Masters of the Universe. Tila's mom. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I I I, I think like, she's literally called the sorceress yes, and Tila's yeah. her daughter. Okay, gotcha. I yep. don't remember much of the storyline from the 80s. We don't remember much of the storyline from the show that we're talking right. about. So she she reveals that she's the high priestess of the sun god Garok. I thought this was going to be code for someone we've already met like Apocalypse or Sinister. Right. Just as a new villain because they don't have enough problems in this universe. And which is, which is a comic book problem. Like, I mean, you look at at the X Men and you start looking at the size of their, you know, all the extended X family teams. Whether it's the X Men, X Factor, X Force, Externals, etc. While the etc. was not intentional, and I hate myself <laughs> for saying it out loud. Folks. This is uh, the part that's going to get clipped out. Of course it is, because Rod's a piece of crap. <laughs> but then you start looking at the family of villains that they have, and it is. For as many good mutants as there are, there are apparently as many awful mutants and then the people who aren't even mutants that hate them. Yeah. So, yeah, let's come up with more problems for like, them to deal with. Like Canada. Canada <laughs> is the greatest enemy the X-Men will ever encounter, <laughs> particularly Wolverine. And they and they were super subtle about this villain because he's his name is Garrock and he's literally rocks. So... <laughs> But it's funny that he's the sun god. Right? Yeah. But he's like stuck in the... I don't know. I'm not going to think that much about it. Only thing I will say, okay. it, within 616 Marvel, we had to look this up. Oh, yeah. Daladane, two words instead of one. Z-A-L-A, -A, as opposed to everything all in one. And then Garok in the Marvel comics is particularly called the Petrified Man. I didn't do further research to see if it was also the sun god. But I feel like they they leaned in more for the rock side into the comics than they actually did in, in this one. Yeah, Petrified Man actually makes more sense because it's a little bit more like it, it falls to like the Earth category. Thing. Yeah. So she, she like points her staff or wand or whatever at the ground and like unveils like a secret stairwell or something. Right. And as they're walking down, there's like a weird animation, I'm going to guess, error. So by the time Sauron's walking down, you don't actually see him complete going down the stairs. He just kind of like dissolve fades away like 
<laughs> I don't know what. If they just like, we're, we're not going to make it, so they just like fade him out. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Sun god magic. Right. Zaldane zaps Sauron while she's talking to him a little bit, and then like a medallion appears in her hand, so I, I'm, there's probably some magic happening there. As they're walking outside of the cave into like the outside area sauron starts turning back into carl lycos right so that that's the part where we actually find a little bit more about sauron because in the previous episodes in the savage land where he is working alongside mr sinister you know we don't really know what his power is because he's just doing the hypnosis at that point yeah this is him needing to specifically absorb mutant life energy yeah um sauron Exactly. But he also denies the existence of Garrock. He basically says this is like a folk tale. This isn't yeah. this isn't something legitimate, like you're you're working for the boogeyman kind of thing. I, I love because this happens a lot in this episode, is like Garrock's not real. And it's like in your world there are what things? Like there's like apocalypse, there's sinister, there's pterodactyls. You're like, a guy who turns into a green pterodactyl. <laughs> and that's the thing that's not believable. I don't know. It was funny. So one yeah. of the other fun facts of, of the episode. Carl Lycos is the revealed to be Sauron's real name. The reason why he is named Lycos is in the comics, he was originally supposed to be a werewolf character as opposed to a half dinosaur yeah. man. And Lycos is a toss to lycanthropy, which is the disease which is believed to cause werewolfism. Yeah. So that actually makes a lot more sense. Because otherwise, I, I mean, I guess this is a nice surprise that it's Sauron, you know, goes back and forth. I was like, why? I, I don't remember that being his power until this episode. Wasn't there also like a thing when we were in the 90s that Lycos was like a search engine or something like that? I forgot about that until just this moment. It was like it yes. was like Yahoo, Alta Vista, and Lycos, and then Google ate all their lunches. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Remember when Yahoo was the big search engine? Mm-hmm. And email server? Mm-hmm. Remember the days? Yep. I would say good old days, but yeah. Those were days. They were days. They did have a cool instant messenger. They did. <laughs> and then that died. Yeah. Ask your parents about instant messenger. So uh, Zaldane tells Carl, not Zoran, <laughs> that Magneto left a mini jet there <laughs> conveniently and that he, he needs to take it to get away because otherwise if he stays in the Savage Land, then Kazar is going to hunt him down for all the awful things he did to his people. Right. And so Carl, not in Sauron form, gets into the jet and he boots up the system and it revealed four locations. Did you see what those were, Rod? I did not. So four. Oh, oh, no, actually, no. I saw Los Angeles at the top. So Los Angeles at the top, Houston, Asteroid M in New York City. I didn't see Asteroid M. Yeah. That's awesome. Wait, so all those things, spoiler for 10 seconds from now, all those things and it went to the last location? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. So right before the thing closes, she puts that medallion that appeared from whatever she did to him on probably some sort of mind control thing. I mean, I just got it as like, this is your, you're providing energy to Garrock. I don't, I okay. didn't, I didn't get it as like a control thing as okay. much as a, like, I'm going to siphon your your power. Cause that, <laughs> that, that is like kind of the ultimate piece for Sauron is like gaining power and siphoning it. Yeah, so. yeah, that makes sense. So the ship takes off. Or it's like a rosary and it's just like an affiliation kind of scenario. Yeah, it's just like we need people to know that you're at the Church of Garrock. <laughs> <laughs> so say your hail Marys or hail... Hail Rockies. Celestial Rockies, there you go. Hail Rockies. <laughs> so it cuts to New Just York. plays Eye of the Tiger. Right, over and over. Is Survivor's getting that check. Oh, no. Yeah, Survivor. Was it Survivor? It was Survivor. Survivor, okay. Yep. Nobody yep. listening knows what we're talking about. <laughs> then we, we cut to New York City Comic Con. Yep, which I don't remember if there was a New York City Comic Con way back then. Years later, we would get New York Comic Con yeah. in, the, in the early 2000s, which is... Still one of the biggest conventions in the country, but there was also a great Stan Lee reference on there where oh, the sign said, New York City Comic Con, Nuff Said. And Nuff uh, Said was a Stan Lee thing. Oh, I didn't know Nuff Said was one of his things. Yeah, okay. it was it was Excelsior and Nuff Said. Okay, yep. gotcha. Yeah, and it does, I, I, that had to have been just an Easter egg because it literally plays nothing into the story from this point on. It just shows us that he's specific, they've specifically landed in New York City yeah. and the camera pans over and they're by Central Park. Park yeah, we're... Rogue and Storm or horseback riding. I don't know if Central Park does horseback riding. Every, every time I've been to New York, that wasn't happening, but these are the X-Men, who knows? I mean, Central Park has tons of stuff. Like, yeah. Central Park has a full-fledged zoo within it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, a small area within Central Park that does... Do the... All right, well, so, keep, like, yeah. <laughs> keep going. I'm going to research live on the show. This is how you can tell we don't talk about enough stuff beforehand, because I'm literally researching as Rod is saying stuff. This whole horseback riding thing, it seems like Rogue and Storm are just getting some, like, girl time in. 
and they're talking a little bit and we catch the tail end of their conversation where rogue was telling storm like sometimes you just need to like let go and let loose it's funny because for a kid's show i know that what they mean is like have fun every once in a while storm we find out that later she actually means like get angry sometimes storm there is horseback riding in central park oh there you go learns we new every day yeah just judging by some of rogue's one-liners in previous episodes and just the talk they're having it sounds like rogue's like storm you need to get laid asap but i know the kids show is like have some emotions sometimes you know storm kind of like starts to shame rogue she's like i i don't have it as easy as you do where i don't have to keep my feelings in check it's like all right bitch you can go ride the rest of this trail alone then also <laughs> you're saying this to the person who literally can't make human contact yeah. like oh okay and has had just as many breakdowns because of the people she's absorbed and stuff like then as storm anyway yep it was, it was just interesting one, one of the most violent screams in the entire show <laughs> is when rogue screams yeah so which happens again and in this this pair of episodes then we're in the subway where we catch up with carl who's gotten down there somehow he starts sucking life out of just a person at a turnstile it doesn't kill him because the guy seems to be getting up after he turns away yeah it just it takes a quick hit yeah yeah just to stay alive it sounds like he needed to kind of like stay alive or like remain mobile or whatever i i also got it a little bit of like the dude's kind of an addict for life energy too it's like he's he's coming off of being this super powerful being so his body like yeah he's like oh i don't I don't have my drug so i'm just gonna do a whip it right now and i know that you didn't see it's morbid time but like this is this is very much that story too we're not going to talk about that piece it's of shit same. on this show Rob. <laughs> that's, that's why i said it by its code name but it was essentially saying that he's because carl even says like i'm no, no better than a vampire and he walks up out of the subway and passes a museum which i think is the same subway that we've seen used multiple times like the morlocks yeah. episode that's yeah. like that is that specific entrance that they love to show in the yeah, show the japanese subway in new york yeah but it's it's that it's the particular like entrance way to oh, the subway the one, yeah. because most of the ones that i've historically gone down are just like it's kind of just like the rail around the edge and you just go downstairs yeah. this one's a little bit fancy yeah it's got the little clamshell on it and stuff yeah so they he walks in front of a museum with a cretaceous exhibit we zoom into the museum and wolverine jubilee and beast are there and only beast is enjoying it they make a flying turkey joke or flying chicken joke or something like that. They're like, they're yeah. just shit talking pterodons. Yeah. And then Wolverine says that he doesn't like being around skeletons, which fair. Actually, for him, that's foreshadowing. It is foreshadowing. Because we saw, as we saw in Days of Future Past, it doesn't turn out well for Wolverine. It is a futuristic <laughs> callback, which is yeah. not a thing. Ooh, um, I'm going to write that down for like an album title, futuristic callback. But Beast is <laughs> loving it. And while they're miserable about it, Beast is like, oh, cool. You want to go to like the Guggenheim next? Yeah. I get it that you're like family and stuff. Why do you bring these people to these things? Find <laughs> there has to be other people that would want to. Carly is still around, right? Like she, he's just that desperate. He's like, I don't want to go to the museum alone again. Yeah. Well, we also have to remember the last time we saw a Beast in an art gallery, he creeped out that woman who was trying to like get away from him. That's true. And yeah. he wouldn't let her go. <laughs> it was only when an attack happened that he actually let her go. So that's just part of his personality. He's just like torturing people with oblivious things. torture. <laughs> And oblivious torture and future callback there you go yep it's my metal albums more like synth pop but yeah there you go so they they're leaving the museum and wolverine notices a hot dog cart and he goes to to buy a hot dog carl happens to be like crossing at the same moment and is begging wolverine to help him so wolverine he assumes it's somebody who's looking for help with like food yeah. and stuff and and Carl looks incredibly disheveled. So, you know, Wolverine assumes he's he's like one of the unhoused residents of New yeah. York kind of scenario. And he needs like some money or something. So he's like reaching his pocket for money or whatever. And then Carl just grabs his head and starts absorbing him, obviously freaking everybody out. So Beast breaks it up. Which, to be clear, transforms him into Sauron again. Yes. And you could actually tell how much like this is a split personality scenario mm -hmm. because he says free again, meaning that like, Kind of similar to like a Hulk scenario where yeah. he's like the personality trapped inside mm -hmm. as opposed to it being like the same person, but just with power activated. And it kind of reminds me of how I'm not familiar with them in the comics, but the MCU version of Moon Knight is working where they can like the alters can lock each other out. I think it's a little more of like a that is a conscious battle where this is just like their physical state is the oh, okay. I think the physical state determines the personality in this case yeah, as opposed yeah. to Moon Knight where it's like a battle of wills yeah 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 because because we haven't seen an example of carl being in control as sauron yeah, yeah. that's true 
Although he hints at it later, which is just like a throwaway line. I thought a funny detail of Carl turning into Sauron, it, they did a very like anime Sailor Moon kind of transformation. Right. Like he like zooms out, there's the solid background thing. And that comes up a little bit later. Got him just randomly. Yeah. That happens. Beast radios Rogue and Storm and is like, we got a problem. And Sauron actually flies over Central Park. So Storm and Rogue both see him and Storm recognizes Sauron. And then Storm also like Sailor Moons into her outfit somehow. <laughs> we also get Rogue. She gives the somebody took a wrong turn at Albuquerque, which is a Bugs Bunny reference. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, man. I, I don't remember these until like I hear them in context. Yeah. That's like, that's funny. like an old school animation reference. That's so funny. Which, yeah. out of the last three episodes, this is the second time there's been a Bugs Bunny reference because we had the That's All folks in the Mojo episode. Oh, yeah. And then there in the previous, I forget which one, but previous episode, there was like a He Don't Know Me Very Well kind of thing or something. Oh, yeah. Re- reference. Man, okay. So the, the writers like Bugs Bunny, which solid cartoons. Storm's <laughs> chasing Zoran through town or city or whatever. And she flies by, it looks like an animation office. And there's two people in there, and they were too prominent to not be cameos. I'm assuming, I'm assuming there's somebody on the staff. So I gathered because it was New York City, and in the 90s, Marvel was like at the top of their game. This was before the fall of the comic book industry. Yeah. And it was pre Marvel Studios and stuff like that. So I assumed that was actually the Marvel editorial bullpen. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Because there was two guys who, when they turned around, you. They were distinct faces. They they were animated to be people. Like, yeah, yeah I, I don't know who they were. Eric Leewald has popped in on some of our Instagram posts. Like he confirmed yeah. that it was Jack Kirby yeah, in the Mojo Vision episode. Maybe he can drop us in because that yeah. I don't believe that was mentioned in the book. So Rod, when you're listening to this later, remember to, to tag the Leewalds and see if they, they can answer this question. Yeah, we're going to literally put a secondary <laughs> Instagram post just for this. But yeah, then, then they try to fight. And in the middle of that tussle, Rogue gets hypnotized by Sauron. Sauron makes Rogue see everybody as like monsters and kind of grotesque versions. of the Yeah, place. Storm literally becomes like a, a gross witch. witch yeah and then beast wolverine and jubilee on the ground are like monstrous versions of themselves mm-hmm. yeah it was it was like we're gonna mess with your head kind of scenario yeah and so she's freaking out you get that lovely scream that everyone loves from from rogue especially rod's cat <laughs> yeah and so while all that's going on sauron catches up with storm Right. And hypnotizes her, but instead of doing the crazy, like, seeing things stuff, just puts her to sleep. Then Beast goes after Rogue and just drowns her to wake her up. Shock to the system, I guess. Yeah, I, I get what it is. It's like, oh, you, you know, it's like throwing water in your face. But the image where he was, he literally took his jacket off, covered her face, and then dragged her into a lake. So water tortures her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it snapped her out of it, so it, it did its job. Wolverine and Jubilee chase after the jet, but it's a little bit too late. They take off. Sauron uses the Garak necklace, mm-hmm. and that's what reveals the ship from from coming up underground. Oh, okay. Yep, yeah. Say, yeah. Uh, and then Wolverine notices it's going due south, so he's like, only place that's got to be. is like, also, where else have you seen Sauron? <laughs> I think that's the bigger tip-off. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're at the mansion. Everybody's, like, kind of caught up on stuff, so Beast Wolverine and Jubilee are getting ready to leave. Beast mentions that they can't get a hold of anybody at Mirror Island and Wolverine's like they're running tests on Genie. Yeah. It took me a second to realize what we were talking about. Right, so, you know, despite the fact that there have been three episodes in between, this is the first time where we've gotten reference after the Cyclops episode that Gene is still alive, We've got that re- you know revealed to us, but one that they've found her and that they are doing something to help her. Yeah, which is wild because the literally the last time we heard about it, they were having a memorial service. Like yeah, the same she, episode. She, she just died. But we get a, a great moment where they've kind of like regrouped. They they know they're going to have to go back to the Savage Land because they weren't able to get reinforcements. And you know Wolverine kind of like took control. Yeah. And there's the the great quote of who died and made him Cyclops, like and it's like. I literally said out loud, Gene, Gene died. I did the same thing. I was like, um, Gene? Yeah. (laughs) Gene died. Sorry. So at the Savage Land, Saladin tells Sauron that Storm can be his unlimited source of energy. So he never has to fall back to Carl again. And they actually create a second necklace in the Gera fashion line. And they put that on Storm. (laughs) And so Sauron hypnotizes Storm, tells her to let loose, let her emotions run free. Release the tempest within was the great quote. But he, he knows his audience because Storm loves that shit. And <laughs> Storm, Storm loves that shit. Right? You know, she's just sitting at home. Like, when before she goes to bed, she's, like, writing all her, like, Shakespearean one-liners. I, and I imagine her with, like, a quill. I don't know why. Anyway. You get high when you watch these episodes? Sometimes. Okay. 
Just checking. So Storm says she's free. She's actually kind of seems happy about it. Right. She starts going berserk. But before she can actually, like, do anything, Sauron starts draining her, like, life force or whatever and, and loves it. Yeah, it could, the, specifically referencing that it could sustain him for forever. Which was, I guess the idea was that she's renewable. Wow, was that a... Yes. Was that a thing with the ecological? Nope. I didn't. I just not put that together. Like she, she's a okay. I don't know. You, you know where I'm getting at. That's interesting. Before when they caught her, I thought that meant that like he would absorb her powers once and then be sustained forever. But then you kind of quickly realize like, oh, she's, they're just going to keep her in prison, and he's going to keep coming back to her. Well, the funny thing is, the theory about it being sustainable for forever is we have no indication that she will have unlimited power for forever. Like, even though she's controlling the elements, doesn't it, in theory, take her energy to yeah, control the elements? Yeah. She passes out several times while in flight and stuff. Right. Because I didn't, as much as I love Storm, I, as far as I'm aware, she's not like an Omega-level mutant, right? I think she might be an Omega. Is she? Oh. Okay. Well, Rod, Rod, <laughs> Rod asking the questions. Well, mainly oh, because I started thinking she might be because of the way they were talking about her being able to, like, sustain Sauron forever, you know? But she doesn't exhibit anywhere near the same thing as, like, a Jean Grey or a Wanda Maximoff. Yeah, she's a, she's Omega level. She is. Wow. Okay. Nope. I mean, I guess that makes sense because you control the Earth, essentially. So, we don't I'm, know if it works out outside of Earth. So. I mean, this is... Unless they go down this route with X-Men 97, in the current X-Men stories, they literally terraform Mars. Okay. And it's Storm and Iceman who literally terraform the entire planet. Okay. So, so there's a deeper science there. That some The deeper science of Omega-level mutants. I mean, you know that some writer worked that logic out somewhere. I'm not going to look it up, but that's really cool. I love that Storm's Omega-level. That's awesome. So I swear I love this show. I just don't know things about my favorite character. At all. <laughs> you re- like... You uh, you don't. I'm sorry. Anyway, so then in the Blackbird, it's starting to land in the Savage Land. Beast says something about they're able to track Storm because of her genetic frequency, which is kind of, I just assumed it was like a convenient MacGuffin. Yeah, I think that's a MacGuffin. Because like, oh, so you didn't need trackers this whole time? Okay, sure, whatever. All right, but they see from the window, you know, one of the giant Garrick faces in the ground. When somebody asked about it, there's kind of like this retcon of, oh, oh yeah, Kazar had mentioned that the last time we were here. Yeah, and I didn't remember that. Which that, was, yeah, that, was a, that was a retcon, okay. yeah. Okay. So they're like, off camera, Kazar told us the whole story of Garrett. Cave, so, cave people. Right? <laughs> and so they, they, Beast says he's going to try to track her through a genetic frequency or whatever. And then Wolverine's like, I don't need that. So he starts sniffing around. And Jubilee's like, what'd you find? He's like, not Storm. And then a T-Rex runs out of the woods. And then we get a save from Kazar, who recognizes his friends. Jubilee refers to him as Barney. Yeah, they just which- outright say it. Yeah, this one, they just went for it. But he wasn't purple, so they had yeah. to. And then they... they you know, do a little like pit trap scenario. Of course, their pit traps don't have spikes, so the T Rex yeah. isn't impaled. Damn. And we get a little bit of a flashback from Kazar of like what happened after the X Men left. Yeah. And also, minor detail, but that does play into the stories that Jubilee gets like knocked into a mud pit and she makes a big deal of like people not, not caring about it or whatever. His, his whole like backstory thing can t- pick, picks up from the last time we left. The, the Savage Land. Oh, and also Zabu, the saber tooth tiger, comes in and suddenly Wolverine's best friend. Went through some shit together. I guess. Huh. But the last time we saw him, like, Wolverine caused Kazar to abandon Zabu <laughs> in the middle of a war, essentially. Right. But it, it was really sweet because they cut from Wolverine running up to the Zabu like he's a dog to at the village where he's got his arm around him. He's like, has Wolverine just needed a pet this whole time? Yes. Which I get it. Yes. I mean, pets are great. He needs you know? a pet or he needs Gene, but he needs something. <laughs> so, like, let him let him take Zabu on the weekends or something. Right. I don't know. So he... he Catches everybody up, basically saying that after they left, Sauron kind of like regrouped some soldiers or something and rebuilt Sinister's fortress thing. And Right. Well, we know that at the end of the episode where Sinister was seemingly destroyed and, and you know, just sitting in the beach <laughs> sand kind of scenario, Sauron basically was like, well, all the outlanders are gone. Now it's yeah. our time to take back the Savage Land. Yeah. And so while... That was happening. The statue, uh, a statue of Garak appeared in the middle of the village. Hazar said he was skeptical, but then like let it go. And then everybody started worshiping it. And it was like, well, it kind of was seen as a rallying cry. So even if it wasn't something that he was necessarily excited about, 
it was helping keep morale up. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those, if you have people that are willing to fight this war where there's gonna be casualties and stuff like that, you don't wanna take away the thing that inspires them if they're on the same side as you. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Although I, 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 I'm, I'm with Kazar on the point of like, anybody else have questions where this thing came from? It's, it's a god. Well, here's the thing. It's a god. Yeah. In their mind, it's a god. You yeah. don't question where did the god thing pop true. out of the ground. Is this true? We didn't have TikTok therapy talk yet to sort out all that stuff <laughs> to deconstruct. So at that point, Jubilee says that nobody can make fun of her for her new outfit. And then she comes, she's like in a, like a jungle bikini now. Yeah, she's in a cave girl outfit, <laughs> like straight up. And I want to say this is so there had to have been some toy plans or something. Because like, otherwise, this little minor storyline doesn't have another point. She got knocked into a mud pit and then had to change clothes. I think it's they don't know what to Jubilee, so they make her the like butt of certain jokes because yeah. she's the kid yeah. and it's easy to laugh along with the kid. Yeah. That's that's the only way I do it because they, they weren't going to plan a single toy off of a single episode appearance of an outfit. Like even, even the Wolverine Weapon X outfit, which came out, at least was made reference in like seven or eight different episodes that, throughout the series. Okay, that's true. So You're just more optimistic than right. I am. So that whole catch up gets interrupted by I forgot what they were called, but the Saurons. The so we get we get a, a dinosaur charge, and yeah. they literally look like Gallimimus from Jurassic Park, the ones that are chased by the T Rex. Oh, okay, it may be a different kind of dinosaur, but they're also not hyper scientific with their dinosaur designs in this show. Yeah, they're kind of just roughly Jurassic Park. They also don't call anything by their the right names, right. like <laughs> like that. Literally, Triceratops is three horns. So these are skinny runner dinos. There you go. <laughs> skinny runners. Not copyright infringement dinos. And then what happens here that is an iconic X-Men moment, Rod? I'm trying to think of which one. So this is the first time in the series we get a reference to the fastball special, which is okay. normally Wolverine and Colossus. And essentially it is because Wolverine is smaller than other people, despite the fact that he's, you know, literally made of metal in a brick shithouse, he gets thrown into an attack scenario by one of the other X-Men. Oh, nice. The funny thing is the way that Beast throws him, it's kind of like an underhand, like alley-oop over the shoulder. Yeah. Whereas the fastball special is like, oh no, you're throwing Wolverine like he's a fucking baseball. Yeah, like, like track and field. <laughs> I mean, literally fastball, like baseball, yeah, fastball. That's so. awesome. Sauron's the last one to arrive with his army and Rogue confronts him and literally just like lures him above the clouds so it's too cold because he's the end of the day he's still like reptilian. Yeah, he's cold-blooded. Yeah. Do you think his blood changes as he transforms? Like as Carl, he's, he's warm-blooded and then he switches? It sounds like it does based on what happened here. Yeah. But also, I so I can't stand the sight of blood and it makes my skin crawl thinking about your blood changing forms. Oh my god. It's just how you handle <laughs> heat. It's not a, it's not a form, <laughs> but well, I almost made Rod throw up and it only took it only took 30 episodes. On the way on the way down, Sauron tries to hypnotize Rogue, but she's like, "Not this time. Not going to look at you." And so Sauron, he's by this point he's still kind of like he's weakened by being up above the clouds and stuff. So he he zaps or starts absorbing one of the pterodons just enough so he can like continue to fly. Right. Jubilee catches him, zaps Sauron out of the sky. He crash lands, and then there's like a mini avalanche and yep. some rocks like cover him. Jubilee gets referenced as a whelp again, which now I'm aware of. The you know that name. it's not a slur at this yeah, point, or just that it's not like a, I just always assume he's like, well, guess I'm gonna, you know, I I just didn't know this was like the yep. usage for it for for not, child. Yeah, like not a derogatory term, but like not like a. You know, it's a condescending term. Yeah, it's condescending like yeah. term for a kid, basically. Absolutely, I call all children whelps. <laughs> I'm just going to start. I mean, don't do it in front of their parents. They don't appreciate right. it. Well, if they understand it, I didn't. Pretty sure if you go up to a random person and say whelp about their kid, whether or not they understand it, they're not going to think that's a compliment. Stay tuned for Cyclops Waiting For Me prank channel. Cannot emphasize this enough. No, you will not ever see that. <laughs> anyway, so catching up with Zaladane, because we haven't seen her in 30 seconds. She's at a Garok statue. Garok says, the time has come and to release the Weather Witch. So Zaladane goes to Storm, which is apparently like, just off camera <laughs> and unshackles her. Storm immediately goes berserk. Then we catch up with Carl. Carl is crawling out of the rocks that Sauron was covered by. I didn't realize it until I saw the scene, but Kazar hasn't seen that transformation yet. So right, so he doesn't actually realize that, that Carl is Sauron. Yeah, so he immediately recognizes Carl. I think Wolverine's- Wolverine's ready to go at him. Yeah. Like this is the first time where I feel like Wolverine has just been ready to off somebody. Right. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. There have been times where Wolverine has fought people and it looks like, oh, that maybe could be fatal. This is a dude who is down. Yeah. 
yeah. and Wolverine has the claws out. At yeah, that point, like his neck. Yeah, yeah, like at that point, that is not a debatable of like, oh, he's gonna capture him. It's like if you have claws out when the dude is defenseless, you are gonna go for yeah. it. Yeah, and so which, depending on the Wolverine <laughs> writer, might have been a thing, right? <laughs> just right through the throat. I mean, there's there are some dark issues of Wolverine where he just does not care and goes for it. But Hazar vouches for him and says, like, no, Carl, otherwise is a good man. You know, we don't know much more than that. He, he, he basically does say this is Sinister's fault. So the, yeah. the blame isn't on Carl for being Sauron and the choices Sauron is making, but something with the manipulation of Sinister is what has re- yeah, turned him yeah. into this Jekyll and Hyde werewolf thing. Right. And then there's a conversation that very briefly happens about having expertise in human mutation. Yeah. And that and that was interesting because it's like there are the people who are born mutants because of the X gene and then there are people who end up going through like physical changes and they they refer to that as the human mutation, okay. which in the comics, you know, it could be everything from the gamma radiation for Bruce Banner, oh, the okay. super government drugs that they give Captain America, yeah. the radioactive spider bite. Like that it's in the comics they they stopped using the word mutation there to prevent the two from being confused. Yeah. But here they still utilized it. I've noticed like especially in like more current day superhero stuff in the Mar- like the Marvel universe, they start referring to overall people like as enhanced humans. Enhanced. Because yep. they don't quite know like alien like this, like what, you know, like. Well, also at the time, you know, when they started using enhanced, it was enhanced individuals. Yes. It was also when they did not have the full X-Men rights back from Fox. So the last thing you want to do is lend credence to the word mutant or mutation when you don't even own that at the point. I I was thinking of, as of recording this, we're a couple episodes into Miss Marvel, the, the Disney Plus show. Right. And they, there's a reference to her as an enhanced human. So I think part of it also is like kind of like leaving the surprises to like, are they going to stick with the inhuman you know, origin story or mutant or super soldier? Or what they are not going to do. They're not going to do mutant with her. Yeah, yeah. There's already an uproar about her, about it not being clearly inhuman at this point. Yeah. So there is no way they are touching mutant with that one. I have, I've, I've heard an interesting theory about the inhuman transformation that. We'll see. As it, by the time you guys listen to this, the, it'll be have been revealed. But it, it'll it'll have been over by at least a month and yeah. a half at this point. So yeah. But I I I hope that the well actually fuck it I'll say it here. So supposedly the the one of the theories I've seen that's running around is that this whole thing with Miss Marvel is that the the hard light stuff is part of the cocoon like symbolically the Terrigen. Yeah, the Terrigen cocoon and everything. So. This is not her final power set, but like the hard light might is probably going to contribute to her transformation to the final version that we're going to see in the Marvels down the road. So I don't yeah. know. anyway, all that tangent to go on to there's enhanced humans. <laughs> back back to the, the show. Speaking the of a enhanced human by mutation, we have Storm who and we end the episode yes. with Storm being revealed to her teammates as being under the full unleashed version. She yeah. loses her ship, and we get the most 1994 animated to be continued CG I've ever seen. I was. It's actually worse than the, the coming soon Phoenix saga. I was genuinely confused for about like three seconds because when the because each word comes out one at a time behind from behind a cloud. So we just hear Storm screaming. It looks like it freezes. I actually thought my Disney Plus froze because you know the frame rate got to be like one frame a second. Yeah, it it, it did the Magneto frame rate, and then. The word two like flies out like word art from behind the thing. I was like, what is that? What character is that? Then I noticed it was a word. And then by the time, you know, B came out, I was like, oh my God, they're just, they're going for it. <laughs> At the time, that was legitimately cutting edge though. Yeah. Because remember, we didn't even start doing like PowerPoints until we were in high school. Yeah. And that was our first time of basically the, the word slowly moving in front of the screen. So not much of a cliffhanger because we're going to go right into it after that epic to 3D to be continued from Microsoft Office, probably. There was no way that was Office. <laughs> Dude, that probably cost them half the budget of the episode right? at the time. But other than other than the to be continued, we pretty much pick up at the same moment. Storm's freaking out, and she's, she's going nuts. And Carl clarifies that she's acting the way she is because... Sauron had hypnotized her to like unleash all her emotions. Specifically taken away her self-control. Yeah. So it's like, oh, if Storm wasn't a moral and ethical person, <laughs> this is what she could be doing. And this is what she, <laughs> how she's really feeling. <laughs> well, because like, I, this it would of- be great if she just shot Jubilee rapid fire. Right. It's like, child, yeah. bam. 
because there's a couple times that she says something like get back you know that she's kind of like mm-hmm. whisks people away with tornado it kind of gave me a little bit of shades of mild spoilers but not really for multiverse of madness we are wit yeah we're this, so out of the this window. this is publishing in august yeah if you haven't seen multiverse of madness this is your fault at this point yeah, it kind of gives me shades of like when strange is confronting wanda and it's like why'd you do all this crazy shit and she's like that was me being reasonable like it this kind of gives me the shade of that like what happens when you take away like storm's reason <laughs> i could see that but totally they, but they did that with cyclops too you know and and professor xavier feels like this is like a theme like all these characters have some level of control we're only seeing like a fraction of the right yeah, and, and this is the season where people are breaking for the first time. And, yeah. I, and I don't mean that in like a, a disparaging way, but yeah. you're seeing like what happens when people have been pushed too far. And granted, it took hypnosis for that to happen to Storm, but yeah. but the others, it's like, oh, Cyclops Unleashed is literally yeah. <laughs> talking back to, to teacher. Yeah, and calling everybody else. Like, what was like? Children. Petulant children. Yeah, speaking of petulant children, Jubilee decides she wants to call herself Jubilee of the Jungle. She mm-hmm. goes for it. She goes to try to like stop Storm. Wolverine goes full dad mode. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I really wish that was the exact quote. But yeah, Storm is unleashing hell. And then I wrote it in Savage Land speak instead of like actual dinosaur names. She tries to drown a baby long neck. Oh God. Yeah, because I my note was like, there was almost a land before time moment. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which which is yeah they they call them long necks in that movie yeah. i believe yeah which for a normal person we're talking about brontosauruses yeah so the baby almost drowns in the mother or i'm assuming the mother one of the parent brontosaurus like saves it which i don't want to go the well actually route but the jaw of that kind of dinosaur would not be able to pick up the weight of oh, right. that fat baby dinosaur because they're like vegetarians basically aside aside from yeah. that they're just that that is an absurd amount of strength to have in that jaw. Yeah, because that's essentially like an elephant, right? Or right. More. Yeah, you're like, picking <laughs> you're picking up a fat elephant. <laughs> so Garak says he's stronger because you know, Storm is doing all this crazy stuff with the weather. Storm actually zaps the statue that we've been seeing Zaladin speaking to, and and it looks like destroys a statue. But then, like as Zaladin's freaking out, this it starts like reabsorbing into the ground. Yeah, it kind of melts, and then you get this like gray stone that starts spreading throughout the the land which is why the petrified man title that he had in the comics makes a little bit more sense because it looks does look like he's like petrifying the forest right and having and having not remembered that garrick was a character in and of himself i at this point was still like oh is garrick just sinister because the last time we saw sinister was him exploding and the rocks absorbing into like the atmosphere yeah i really i really thought like i mentioned earlier that this was going to be a reveal for sinister or like apocalypse coming back apocalypse just kind of because the statue like looked like his face, like one of the versions, you know? I could see that. It had that really strong jawline. Yeah, so. it had a strong jawline, but it didn't have the strong lips, which yeah, are, are very iconic to Apocalypse. And you know what? I'll do my regular, I'll share this on yeah. social media. I'll find a bunch of different versions of Apocalypse, but one thing that is ever present is essentially where his jaw and over his lips are is a divital, like it's literally divided and has like its own organic aspect to it that it's like, oh, you literally know any drawing of apocalypse just because you see this line that goes from his cheeks and over his lips yeah it, it looks almost like it would have been like robotic but it's not it's, it, like you said it's organic to him yeah well as organic as yes. apocalypse can be yes. right so zaldane says it has begun storms going crazy and everything actually starts some dinosaurs to start to stampede and then we cut back to the rest of the x-men are just trying in case are all just trying to like figure out what the fuck is going on yep. and the stampede actually ca- comes at them and so they they hide in a cave i did love this moment because this was one of those like classic era of the 90s where you have a bunch of different species that are all just like clumped together and these are things that like one would normally be running from the other and it just is like it's a very looney tunes kind of scene to me yeah they were all it was like a stegosaurus with a t-rex with a brontosaurus and then there was and then there was like an ankylosaurus at the the back end and they're all running at the same rate yeah and then there there was a great wolverine quote where he talks about barbados but he doesn't say it barbados he calls it barbados Oh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, Rogue says, like, well, I can ab- absorb Storm's powers. Right. And, and and stuff to, like, calm her down. And that's when Wolverine, yeah, is like, do we want to mess up the weather from here to Barbados? And Which, I don't think that's a Canadian thing. So that's really, like, good. It's got to be, it's gotta be a Canadian okay. thing. 
but because either way whether that's intentional canadian or that's just wolverine is canadian it was still nobody's nobody has ever called it barbados (laughs) that lives in the united states he makes a good point she's the master of all this this shit that's going on and she can't control like you're gonna do much worse yeah controlling we've seen what happens when you absorb people's powers (laughs) carol danvers has been in a coma for years and then 180 carl's like i can do it wolverine's like what did i just say (laughs) <laughs> you know, and Beast even mentions like, well, if he had ill intentions, he would have done it by now because he's with a bunch of mutants. And then everybody just kind of agrees. Well, that. and I also think a part of that is whether or not they said it, it's like, okay, well, if you absorb her, we're kind of holding back because we don't want to kill our friend. Yeah. Wolverine has already almost killed this guy within the last like 25 minutes of, of real time at yeah. this point. So he has no problem putting like a puncture hole through his head. Yeah, and, and Carl has gone out to say that he is ready to like be punished for what he perceives as his sins well and the the other good part about it is for carl if he's the one that absorbs it he makes himself more powerful but he doesn't clone the power of the person he's absorbing whereas to to wolverine's barbados point if rogue got that she's controlling all the weather with no experience yeah and so, you know, nobody loves the idea. Like, it's not a good idea, but it's the best one they have. So they decide to go for it. There's some undetermined amount of time where we see them actually executing the plan. So they got a catapult at some point. There are catapults all right, over the right. Savage Land, dude. And they shoot a fire rock at Storm. I don't know what it's called. It's a rock that's on fire. It's a fire rock. <laughs> fire rock. That's, that's a scientific term. <laughs> to distract Storm. Meanwhile, behind Storm, Rogue is flying up with Carl. Carl grabs Storm's head to absorb her powers. As he does that, he begins doing the transformation back into being Sauron. And when Sauron takes control, Sauron refuses to release. Yeah, yeah, because they're yelling, like, like, let let her go. And he's like, nope. (laughs) Rogue actually even tries to reason with Sauron for a second and says, are you going to help us with our friend or not? And then his... Sauron's reaction is he tries to absorb Rogue, and there's this weird freak out short circuit moment. Yeah, it's it's a feedback loop essentially, yeah. where you know you have two people with matching <laughs> powers, and Rogue starts transforming, and then he's transforming, and they keep going back and forth, and essentially they cancel each other out. Yeah, and so they both she falls to the ground, and she basically says that she's like, because I actually like the way she said it, because they're like, what happened up there? She's like, it was weird. It, it was, was real weird. weird. <laughs> Then we also see the Garrock stone continue to spread throughout the ground. Mm-hmm. The the petrification is still happening. That's what I kind of wish they would have called him like the petrified man or like made a like a reference to it. Nope, because that would make sense in this case, you know. Nope, sun god. Yeah, sun god that turns the ground gray. <laughs> sure, turns it back. Yep, yep, yep. Turns the churn churns turns the ground gray. There you go. Let's just say that as a speaking exercise. No, <laughs> I'd rather not, sir. So back at the Blackbird, next to the village, Beast is tending to Storm, which just means he sedated her. And Rogue describing her situation when she was in Sauron's thoughts, yeah, and said that she just kept hearing the name Zaladane, which Kazar recognizes, yeah, is the priestess of Garok. And Storm wakes up and just freaks, not freak out power wise, but is like very vocally dramatic. And says, Something is very wrong. Yeah, nature is out of balance. Evil in this land must be purged. And she zaps the statue that's in the middle of the village. Which all the cave people probably not too thrilled yeah, about. Yeah, because they're literally bowing at it at yeah. that moment. Yeah, that would, that would be the equivalent of going into any house of worship and destroying their their most well-known iconography. Yeah, like like it is or something. Yeah, it, it, there's there's no example I want to say out loud because it's no matter what scenario it is, yeah. it's the most offensive thing you could do to yeah. a believer. Yeah, it says whatever the central point of an house of worship is. Like, that's basically what she did. Then, so Storm starts to begin to freak out again. And Rogue tries to stop her, gets blown away by like a mini tornado thing. Jubilee and Wolverine are able to hold her back long enough for Beast to trank her again. I love how just Beast has this new backpack. The arm. With the arm and just has drugs. Beast is a drug dealer. That's how he's making all this work. Beast is a drug dealer. Yeah. He has the arms. He doesn't touch it. We're going to have a separate conversation about Beast off the podcast because I got to tell you some other shit Beast has done recently. Nice. Sauron, who has made his way back to Zaladane. Yeah, who's that? I'm going to guess another statue of Garrock that's not destroyed. Right. And, and, you know, there was a a throwaway line that, oh, a bunch of these altars and and heads started popping up Mm -hmm. throughout the Savage Land. Like, Mm -hmm. some of them are are full-fledged, like, heads that pop up. Some of them are just, like the face in the ground looking up at the sky like when yeah, we saw the, the, the view from the blackbird earlier 
And Sauron tells Zaladin to rally the troops and, and stuff, but she says that Garak told her that Sauron has outlived his usefulness. And so Sauron is like, Garak's just a, is, is not real and blah, blah, blah. And the, the statue speaks back and is like, you know, is this real? And then like some like stone. It was a lines. great like fuck you moment. Yeah. Like for 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 Garrock, it was like, oh, I'm not real, bitch. I yeah. hear you. And yeah, then these like stone vines come out and bind Sauron. But even in the middle of Sauron being bound up, he's like, you're you're not real. <laughs> we never said that Sauron was the smartest right. character. <laughs> he's super. Here's the thing. He hits that level of like you could be really really powerful and you don't need to be super duper smart. I guess he literally has a bird brain. I mean, he's he's what would happen if Avalanche had direction. Because Avalanche should be able to take out tons and tons of people, but he's a doofus. Yeah, yeah. He fo- he's following Pyro around. Who's following Mystique? <laughs> and Blob is just eating Tutti Frutti. Yeah, so after the statue or Garok binds Zoran, he decides this is the time for the villain monologue. So we get the exposition dump of what happens. So Garok was like a humanoid god, essentially, or at least an enhanced human or something. He, he, yeah, I mean, I think for, for purposes of this, he was a powered being, whatever yeah. whatever phrasing we want to talk about it. But in Marvel, whether it's the comics or this animated series, we know there have been beings before the X-Men who had mutant powers and things similar. I mean, just for the fact that we know Doctor Strange is a character in this world, just for the fact that we know Apocalypse has been around for centuries. So he may be you know, we don't know, could he be an Eternal or a a Deviant or something along those lines. or something, whatever Apocalypse is. Right. Something similar. Could he be the first mutant? He talked about how he once ruled the Savage Land until someone disrupted it. He doesn't say it, but it's basically the High Evolutionary comes and he doesn't even really show what he does, but he says he got banished and imprisoned in like the rocks, apparently. By the way, I just want to point out that I am so proud of Rod <laughs> that he knew who the high evolutionary was, despite the fact that the character's name has never once been said in the animated series. I only know it because of all the Doctor Strange stuff that's been around in the past couple of years, the whole like Wonder Core storyline. I'm just like vaguely familiar with like the characters in that, so. I have literally had to tell you Maverick's name on yes. four separate occasions. Yeah. So the fact that you knew Evolutionary, I'm legitimately proud. I don't know what he does. But, I don't. But, I don't care if yeah. you know who you knew. You knew from the visual yeah. who he was. I'm assuming it wasn't Zemo. It was between him and Zemo, the purple mask. There's every ounce of pride that I had is gone from that one sentence. But yeah, I deduced it though, right? So I was like, well, he wouldn't, Zemo wouldn't be in the Savage Land. Okay, that's him. Anyway. He literally says thousands of years, yeah, Rod. Yeah. <laughs> then Garrock says he lay dormant for thousands of years in like the rocks and the, I guess the earth and stuff. And he says he was yearned for and they show like footage of him being like worshipped and stuff. And, and then he says until, and they basically flash back to the last time we were in the Savage Land. That was a little bit confusing to me because it was like, were you forgotten? Like, well, at one point in regular human history, you had entities who were considered gods. And then over time, the evolution of religions happened. And like not many people still consider the Egyptians gods to actually be gods, the Greek gods to be gods. Those those became myth more than religion. So to the point where Khazar and and Carl slash Sauron are saying, well, he's just a myth. So so he there's still people who reference him, but at you know, the power kind of wanes as people stop believing in them. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like kind of faded over the history. It just, it skipped ahead a lot because it went from like thousands of years ago to like when the X-Men visited their last. Well, because what else are you going to do? People, like seven cavemen started worshiping me? Yeah. So we st- We're going to see those saves like generations of seven cavemen who didn't forget the name and so, Zaladin. Yes. Yeah, that's a, oh, she. I guess she didn't age. I don't. I don't. I don't need to know about her. She doesn't do very much. Nope. So he. They, we basically see a recap of the last Savage Land episodes, and which said, which is our finales for season two. Yeah, and it basically kind of says that the events of that, but especially Storm using all her weather powers and stuff. Particularly, the phrasing was elemental energy woke him. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So like, just all that stirring up woke him up and kind of gave him like the motivation to give it a good college try to exist again. It also gave him a little bit of that re-energizing, not in like a motivational sense, but I think there was actual physical energy that was generated from what she was doing during that fight with Sinister. Gotcha. And then he explains that under the volcanoes, 
I took it as just magma, but I, there was also like a bunch of machinery down there that like maintains the Savage Lands climate. Yes. Is, that, that was a little bit of a cognitive dissonance to me because they're portraying all the Savage Land people as basically cavemen, but also there's like an immense amount of technology. <laughs> Well, I, I, the volcanoes. well I, I'll jump back in one second, but with regard to the technology, that gives us some sort of like, there is stuff going on about the Savage Land that made it hospitable for these cave people to live on, mm-hmm. not that the cave people were the ones who built it. Oh, okay. So I think like that's the like, oh, was it the Celestials or an ancient yeah. society or something like that? He also points out he was the one that specifically gave Sauron the yearning to go after Storm. Because like, cause if, if and, I, and I think that's where to, you know, even though I don't think it was mind control, it was the suggestion of yeah. that Raka pendant on yeah. his chest. Cause he wasn't in full control of Sauron. Cause obviously Sauron is like, oh, I'm just gonna use Zaladane and get my own army. But it was like, I'm gonna nudge you in this direction a little bit. Yeah, and so Garok wants to fuse with that energy system right. of the volcano so that he can like basically take over the world, or at the very least, the Savage Land again. Back at the village, Storm is begging Rogue to restrain her or do something. There's an earthquake. Which is which is great because it's kind of like a little bit of an inverse of their, their previous conversation where Storm is like, oh, I keep myself restrained. Yeah. This is, I've lost that level of control. I literally need you to restrain me because yeah. I can't do it anymore. At one of these scenes where Rogue is tending to Storm, she even says like, and I was telling you to let go. Like, I, th- I think this might've been that scene. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, shows what I know. Yeah. Never <laughs> listen to Rogue's Rogue. life advice. So. There was an earthquake starting, and we find out it's from Garok emerging out of a mountain. Yep. The ground starts ripping open. Garok says that the age of Garok begins anew. And wait, the, the way they cut away from him emerging out of the mountain made me think they're going to see like three stories rock dong. Because, like, he, he's right before his waist cuts the camera <laughs> framing or whatever. Like, it just cuts, and I'm like, poor X Men. But then, like, they do show him emerge completely, and he's magically got pants on. That's very considerate of him. So. I'm going to throw this out there and I'm going to put this into the, <laughs> the polls on Spotify and stuff like that. Let us know if you would like one episode of this show with full video, because there are times Rod says shit like this that I just bury my hands, like my face in my hands. And and it's, it's like we edit it out because we want to remove the awkward pauses. But I don't think you guys know when Rock starts talking about giant rock dick, how much I just look at him with like disdain. So let us know if you want to see that. There you go. Or you can just leave it on loop. And that's pretty much how the, the podcast goes. Anyway, so we don't see that. He's got pants on. That's part of his emergence, I guess. Right. Then the hands start coming out of the ground and like grabs Jubilee and like nothing's really hurting him, but then Wolverine's claws, I guess because of the animanium. Yeah, like, Wolverine's basically them. like, see what these babies can do. Yeah, so it it's I I took it as like kind of basically cutting a tentacle off a monster or something. Like it hurt him and froze him, like kind of stalled him for a moment, but eventually he was gonna like re- kind of repopulate all that. Yeah, it was it was very stuff. similar to the the fight from the Phoenix Saga episodes where Ken was like, you know, growing into this giant gem oh, yeah. beast. And it was like, oh, you guys took him down, but he was able to like reform himself. Yeah. You have you weren't cutting it off at the source. You were just, you know, kind of like a Hydra scenario. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we catch up with Storm again and she's waking up because of all the craziness that's happening. Yeah, we didn't really, I don't know if we're really catching up with her as much yeah. as we're we're seeing her really fucked in a house right now. Yeah, because the house becomes part of like the, the gray thing that Garok has taken over, right. petrified, and is like closing in on her. So he, he must have some awareness of her claustrophobia because it's specifically what he's doing to the house, is like closing the walls in on her. Well, I think this is the first time where we see it being more than just like the plants and the trees and stuff like yeah. that. But he is like literally also causing earthquakes. So there is a destructive nature to what Garrock is doing. So it's like, oh, your house? Fuck your house. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so she starts going berserk again because she's like, this evil must be stopped. And she, she, there isn't really a claustrophobic moment. She just starts being afraid of it at the beginning before she goes crazy again. Right. And a, as she's like, just like letting loose all her weather powers, Garrock just keeps egging her on to try to get her to use more and more of her powers. And Beast figures it out, or at least has a theory, and the radio storm and is like, you need to cut the shit out, Storm. And she refuses. She's like, I got to destroy him. Well... She starts out by freezing him. Mm-hmm. And then Beast is the one who figures it's geoenergy. So instead of stopping, well, 
freezing isn't working, so I'm gonna yeah. switch to heat. And that absolutely strengthens Gera. And this is where there was a, there was like the my animation blip that I saw in the episode where Storm's excommunicator patches literally just disappeared from her outfit. Just invisibility when they're activated, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when Storm loses her shit, they actually turn off her power so they don't get bad PR. There you go. <laughs> yes, there's no no more ex-branding. Yeah, they, they learned from Bobby in the previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to take that back if you're going to kick it out of the team. So... If, if we've forgotten, Sauron was bound up in those like stone vines or whatever. And the lightning is actually what helps break him out from yeah. those. So he so he, he breaks out of them. He goes to hypnotize Aladdin, basically just puts her to sleep. She passes out. I want that power. I don't want to control people. Controlling people would be fucked up. But if it's yeah. like, I'm in a bad argument and I don't want to deal with your shit, I'm yeah. just going to be like, you can go to sleep right now. And I'm just going to walk away. Did, did you ever watch when Cracked did those like, no. things at the... Um, Literally, time? whatever the end of that sentence is, okay. the answer is no. Well, they, they used to have these like kind of hypothetical conversations at a diner over in Las Vegas. And one of them... Was, oh, actually, that show I did love. Yes, I love yes. that show. Yes. So there was one about like what superpower you, you want. Spoiler for a show that's not around anymore. The show has been canceled for over yeah, three years, yeah. Rod. So basically, they were like, they, they arrived at the conclusion that you want, you want to be Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. You can pause moments. Yep, you can do the timeout. Because everything else, like flying all that shit, like you need oxygen and all these things. But yeah, timing out for like five seconds or whatever, game changer for your life, right? Yep. (laughs) Anyway, so Sauron gets away. Sauron times out (laughs) Zaladane. And right then, Garak rises out of the volcano because he's like made it to the volcano by now because Storm is still like going crazy and everything. Sauron decides to go after him because he thinks he can take him. I guess he just gets really confident. Like once again, you said like not the smartest. He's got a literal lizard brain. That's not a compliment. And so he he runs up to the side of, I guess, another volcano that- One of the volcanoes. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, at the edge of it and like starts absorbing the power out of the magma, which I didn't know that's how his powers work, but sure. I guess it's, it's part of Garok now. I think because it's part of Garok, because yeah. it's specifically animated to look like something other than what was already there. Yeah. So I guess it's the life essence absorption. <laughs> so if a human just gives him a little bit of like a hit, like he's doing a whip it. Yeah. And then a mutant is like Coke. This is like <laughs> him doing ayahuasca yeah. because he literally turns into a kaiju from absorbing the power from this. And this was kind of confusing. This must have been cut for time because it just kind of happens and you think you're going to see this big epic kaiju battle and it literally just starts and then just ends. I'm happy we didn't get the big kaiju battle <laughs> because I didn't like the big kaiju battle in Moon Knight. That's right. Yeah, you're not a big fan. I'm, I'm always down for like Pacific Rim. I'm always down for like robots and kaijus fighting. Pacific Rim really good yeah pacific rim movie sequel not as good no. pacific rim on netflix should never have happened i didn't even know that existed it's a cartoon version oh we'll talk so it's it's whatever but we didn't get to see that here it they just kind of like start fighting and, and they just, start eye blasting each other essentially yeah. that sounds dirtier than it actually is okay we're gonna do yeah. a future yeah. episode that's gonna be recorded on video yeah. there's no way we don't <laughs> and and then it just like zooms out to like an outer space view. And the explosion was so large, it's be able to be seen from space. And there's a ship in space that's like actually observing it too. Yeah. And, and so I didn't know if that was a throwback to the, the blip of the space from the previous episode. Yeah, a little Easter egg. I don't know. We'll find out in the Dark Phoenix episodes, I guess. There you go. Stay tuned for those. And then back on the ground, even though the explosion was so large, you could see it from space, everyone survives. But Storm and Rogue were actually caught within like the blast radius. Yeah. It gives you the impression. Well, technically all of them were in the blast radius, right? Because you could see the imprint from space. Yeah, but they were they actually... Were like, they were like with... They Storm. were closer. They were yeah. worried that Storm and Rogue were actually dead. Yeah. And so they... Because they had to like dig them out. Yeah, they found them under some rubble. It looks like Rogue kind of like shielded Storm. And well, yeah, I mean, she's literally invincible. Yeah. And Storm was knocked out, and so they 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 get them and take Storm back to the Blackbird Med Bay, which I guess is a thing that makes sense. It's just all these like new things that appear when they need them. Then there's like this comedically cartoon moment. Garrock's like statue head is like on its side. Thaldane's like laying on the ground, and he was like, "I was so close," and I was just waiting for the musical cue, like the wah 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 or something, because. It was that moment. He was like, I was so close. Like, but he sounded like a dying robot. Yeah. Yeah. 
And once again, the X-Men are just like, we're just going to leave him because who knows? We might be bored one day right. when to fight him again. And we find out that Carl survived. Yeah. And he he finally breaks the Garak charm that has been on him this entire time. You would have thought he would have broken that earlier, but right. no, no. Yeah. And I think it is like a little tiny detail when Kazar finds him. It's like he gives him like a little hit. Because <laughs> when they shake hands, it's like a little zap. He's like, here you go, bud. You have a little bit of my, my life force. That sounds dirty, too. Yep. And then in the Blackbird, Storm is asking Rogue for forgiveness. Right. She sounds really distressed. Actually, even as corny as it was, I felt bad for Storm because she's like, she's she's just really pitiful at that moment. She's like, this was not what I was expecting to do on our trip to Central Park, basically. And then Rogue is like, shut the fuck up. But it ends on on (laughs) one of the... It's weird to say because this, this series has lots of ups and downs with like highs and lows and like we literally saw a few episodes ago beast is shedding a tear over a robotic or the ship of like you know so this is one of the more dark ones whereas like the beast moment was sad this is like oh yeah kind of liked letting go and being free and it's like oh did storm just acknowledge that she loves like letting loose and just like destroying shit i get it i get it you know, like you, you, you have that kind of power, and you just know that you can't ever be a hundred percent because if you are, like, you might destroy civilization. It's true. <laughs> it's like you know, it's not that maybe she doesn't want to hurt people, but she's like, I kind of want to see like more lightning bolts. Like, what, what does that, what happens when that, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a weird ending. She's like, I liked it. So we are, we are through our episode, Rob. Despite before this started, you and I saying there wasn't a lot that went on. We ended yeah. up having a lot to talk about. Yeah, a lot of tangents, but it was fun. It was right. a pretty straightforward episode. It was nice to go to Savage Land again. It feels like this one actually did contribute to the overall story, unlike some of the Mojo Vision stuff. It definitely forwarded. It, you know, we got the reference to what's going on with Gene, which we are mm. going to talk about in our next I think we're going to do it as two episodes. Don't hold me to that, though, because who knows once we actually start recording where we're going to get into the Dark Phoenix saga. We also are happy to say we have a collab that is going to be on the YouTube channel with our buddy Matt Robb. We are doing the Hero Clicks, the Dark Phoenix saga unboxing. So you'll be able to see video of that on the YouTube channel for Cyclops' Waiting For Me podcast. And me get a concussion from John throwing a box in my head. You don't see the concussion, though. There's certain things on this channel that happen off camera. But they but they were cool figures. I'll, I'll vouch for that. So you want to see that. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram posts and this episode. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app you're choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> got to say more pitiful. <laughs> I was pretty pitiful there, Rod. <laughs>